0: Alright, welcome to another episode of Jackman Radio. Very excited today. We are joined by the host of Liberty Lockdown, one of the boys from Tower Power Hour, Tower Gang, Tower Gang Bang, Mr. Clint Russell.
1: Clint, how you doing today, man? I'm good, Mike. Thank you for having me. I love the Jackman Brothers. Anytime you guys need me, I'm I'm always a call away. So thank you for yeah. having me.
0: Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. And this is the first time we've ever been able to talk one-on-one on a stream, so... I'm excited about that and uh, got to meet you in person several weeks back at Pork Fest here in New Hampshire and um, you gave a great speech about ESG and one of the reasons I wanted to have you on today was to kind of elaborate on that and, and sure. kind of where your interest comes from that and explain to the audience, you know, kind of what that is and where you see that going in the, in the global market and American companies and companies all over the world.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, fortunately, I think that that many people are starting to get their head wrapped around what esg is at least at least in our in our sphere of people um obviously 99 percent of people still have no fucking clue what it is but uh oh by the way can i cuss i don't want to get you in trouble
0: yeah sure you can
1: cuss okay okay I'll, i'll i'll keep it at a minimum but like just by habit i do it a lot so um, one of
0: one of the fans of our, our show, who who I listen, who I respect and listen and listen to for advice on certain things, is like, "You guys are great, man, but you got to stop with the f bombs, you know." I'm like,
1: "Yeah, <laughs> I get it, but fuck it, <laughs> <laughs> set that aside, sir, and just listen to the points we're trying to make. It's important stuff. You need to hear it." Uh, so ESG is environmental, social, and governance. Uh, you know, obviously, it it's a uh, it sounds all fine and dandy, <clears throat> but when you dig into the history of it, you start to realize. That it is in fact quite the nefarious plot. The United Nations in 2000, excuse me, uh, in 2000 it was uh, Kofi Annan. They had an initiative that was basically trying to migrate the global capitalist model into what I what I consider essentially a techno fascist model. Uh, They wanted to have big business working in tandem with big government to alleviate all of the ills of society. That included environmental pollution, included social justice, which is what the S is, uh, and then uh, G, which is governance, is just about how the the governing bodies within the corporations function. So are they are they woke enough? You know, are they allowing their their employees to report against their superiors? Are they hiring X Y Z in terms of uh, you know demographics? Like they, this is where the entire woke mold got force fed into. Uh, the capitalist model. And this is why all of the ads that we've seen over the past decade have been uh, very offensive, <laughs> especially if you're a straight white man and you're like, hey, I just want to uh, buy my razors. And Gillette's like, no, you're actually a rapist. And you're like, what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think I, it's offensive to the people they're purporting to try and protect and look out for, of course too, that... by just trying to put people into these groups and, and just block everyone's the same and we're gonna we're gonna uh you know label you a certain way and we're gonna
1: define you and it's like I think a lot of those people are like F this we don't like it either. Of course. I mean any anybody that actually believes in Martin Luther King's message of content of my character, not the color of my skin mentality, this is completely counter to that and that includes many uh you know people of all walks of life. Anyone that believes that that our our racial makeup or our, our religious uh, background is not who we are in terms of how we want to be treated by strangers. I mean this is this is very illiberal. It's very regressive and and it, the irony in all this is that it is being propagated by people that hold the flag of progressivism and it's you know if you're paying attention it's it's quite evident that this is going to tear at the fabric of civilization. Um, because ultimately tribalism and this belief that there are an oppressor class and an oppressed class, and it's based off of your, your station at birth. This is, it's all very counter to the American ethos and the American ideal. And one that I find absolutely reprehensible. And I think fortunately many people in this country do, uh, unfortunately the people that do believe in it are extraordinarily wealthy and extraordinarily powerful and extraordinarily politically tied. And they are able to implement these plans no matter how, uh, you know, offensive and backwards anybody who's critically thinking uh, perceives them to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think in a recent stream you were talking about, you're doing deep dives into, you know, World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab. And obviously they're trying to wrap themselves in this flag too. Um, You know, even though it's, to me, it's just so transparent that they're so disingenuous about it. And I really, I really feel like it's kind of swing, starting to swing in the other direction. I think we are seeing a a pushback to it.
1: We are, uh, and and thank God. Um, but so let me give you a little bit more of the history. So 2004, they roll out this uh, this plan uh, where they're going to have 50. They Kofi Annan, who was the Secretary General of the United Nations at the time, sends out a letter to the 50 biggest businesses on the planet, and stunningly, they all respond very very positively to it. So you have J.P. Morgan Chase and Goldman Sachs and Deutsche Bank and all these like the biggest money managers on the planet all respond to this. You know, directive saying that we want big business to solve all of our problems as you know, go- this this supranational governmental organization in the United Nations. Uh, I mean, ultimately, the, it's very easy in hindsight to realize why they responded affirmatively is that they know that if you play along with the UN, uh, that means that you're in bed with the government, and if you're one of the biggest businesses in the world, you're already in bed with the government. So it just more deeply embeds the The biggest money managers on earth, with the fabric of our governance systems globally, and they know that they're going to be able to write the laws. They're going to be able to, uh, you know, benefit from any sort of subsidies that are are created. They're going to get better tax treatment. They're going to get better, uh, you know, no bid contracts. A, a perfect example: BlackRock and Larry Fink, who's the CEO of BlackRock. Um, they've been the the primary driving force behind ESG being pushed to every other uh, company on earth because BlackRock manages over ten trillion dollars. Uh, <clears throat> keeping in mind, that's not their fucking money. That's our money. That's our pension funds. That's our investment funds. But because they manage that money and because they have the voting rights on those funds, Larry Fink thinks he's a fucking god, you know, because he's able to say he he does these open letters to every CEO on earth. And he says, hey, uh, this is what I want your business to be doing if you expect to receive a penny of BlackRock's managed funds. And that's extraordinary power. That's more power than any person should have. Any single person should have for sure. Uh, but that's how he functions. He he functions as kind of this like demigod. And, and he's kind of right to. I mean, if you're if you have ten trillion at your fingertips, you can you can move markets, you can reshape, you know, the face of at least countries, if not the, the planet itself.
0: Yeah, you become quite the powerful wizard.
1: And yes. uh, what's and scary start- about all this is these are unelected
0: godheads, you know, these are unelected officials, yes. you know, and they wield so much power over humanity. So what, what what can be done about it? I mean, what do, where do you think what direction is it going in?
1: Well, I mean, this is the problem: is that it is anti-democratic. I, as you know, you know, as a, an AnCap myself, I'm I'm not a huge fan of democracy. But if we're going to migrate from a an alleged democratic model into something else, it's vitally important that the people understand that that's what they're experiencing and that's that's how things work now. People don't, you know, pe- we're still. We're we're risking World War III to defend democracy in Ukraine. Democracy is dead, folks. It doesn't exist anymore. The the people like no matter who you elect, you end up with some you know World Economic Forum young global leader uh, in power that's actually writing the laws. So people always ask themselves like, well, who? I mean, there's a, a, a old school trope that like no matter who you vote for, you get John McCain. I mean, that's basically that's basically what this is. But now instead of whoever you vote for, you get Klaus Schwab. Uh, and right. and and that man is like to his core, fucking evil is all get out. And and he he, I mean, the vast majority of these people are complete climate change zealots. They they absolutely believe that it's gonna um, end up killing billions of people. So from their perspective, any mechanism for control that they have to implement, any suffering that they have to bring upon us peons, us peasants, in the interim is justifiable because if we're all going to die anyways then why not uh so from their rationale you can understand the logic but when you have that backdrop of of that of that worldview well you can understand how you'd be capable of truly great evil and and that's that's how i perceive them they they think that they're doing what's necessary but ultimately they are killing innocent people
0: right like for the for the greater good of humanity they're almost like uh dr manhattan from watchmen like oh we're gonna have to we're going to have to blow some shit up. A lot of people are going to die, but ultimately we're going to save more people. Exactly. And, uh, right. Yeah, or it's like a Dr. Strange love scenario, um, you know, where, where you got some of these generals and people in, in the U.S. government saying, you know, we can we can win a nuclear exchange. We might yeah. lose 10 or 20 or 30 million people, but we could still win it. And you see these articles being published in places like NPR and, you know, other mainstream press. So I mean, whether it's the economic end of it, which you seem to really focus on, or the foreign policy, these people who are in charge of these levers, I mean, they're like complete psychopaths. Yes, I mean, they're, they're, they are. They're just, and
1: they're, they're willing to risk, you know, complete nuclear annihilation. I mean, they, they are very detached from the risks that they are putting upon all of us, all of us which have no say in any of this. I mean, perfect example is the, the war in Ukraine, uh, like do you remember voting on sending 80 billion to them? No. No. Nope. Is it, it polling wise is it even popular? No, it's not. It's not popular. And and the risks that were t- and this is with a 24/7 propaganda cycle from the media telling us that this is an existential crisis, this is a a battle for, you know, democracy, this is about defending Europe, it's about defending western values, it's about defending liberal democracy, blah 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 blah. blah. And still it's not popular. The people don't want this. The people do not want to be risking nuclear annihilation to defend Ukraine, which is one of the most corrupt governments on the planet. We don't give a fuck about them in reality. But even with that propaganda push, it's not very popular. But my point is, it doesn't matter that it's not popular. Just as it doesn't matter that lockdowns aren't popular. It doesn't like they will propagandize us and they will shove it down our throat no matter no matter how uh, counterproductive it is, no matter how dangerous it is, no matter how economically destructive it is, no matter how, you know uh socially destructive it is i mean the the reason we're at each other's throats is because of these these types of dictates that you know everyone everyone understands at their core that they don't have any say in the trajectory of things that's a very disjointing feeling for uh, an entire you know population to feel and and you know the reason that we're so divided the re- reason that we're so tribalistic now in, in this left right paradigm is because like we, the only hope we have is that, I mean, from our perception is that we get our guy in, you know, and, and right. so we can, we can rule over the other side, but the truth is no matter who you get in, they are ruling over all of us. And, and I, that's why I try not to get so much in the left, right uh, paradigm as I do just like the top bottom paradigm. And it's weird because that's, that's also what Marxists do. And I hate to do that because I'm not a Marxist. I'm a capitalist and I believe in, in, you know, competitive advantage and I believe in uh, risk-taking and you should profit. And, you know, I'm a egalitarian, uh, you know, so it's, it's very frustrating, but you have to talk in this, this up, you know, top to, to bottom paradigm. Uh, otherwise you miss the bigger picture. And it's, uh, but we have to, the people that, that believe in egalitarianism, that believe in, you know, liberty and and hard work. And if you make a profit, you get to keep it. Like we need those type of people that are having these discussions so that we can help guide people into not, a Marxist worldview, not, you know, let's let's chop off anybody who's succeeded in the system's head. Uh, you know, we we need to find some ways to maintain right. our principles, but identify that we are being ruled by tyrants.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, in a lot of ways, it feels like a rigged system. And, and like you're saying about the two party rule um, for people who are maybe a little younger like mm-hmm. us, you know, compared to baby boomers or even those who are around that are older than them. I would point, you know, to our generation and younger. Just look at what's happened the last two decades that we can see with our own eyes in our lifetimes. Um, since nine eleven, with the scale back on civil liberties and mass oh. surveillance, um, the inflation of the last couple of years, um, just everything. I mean, it's 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 uh, for a lot of younger people. I think there's there is a large feeling of of uh, helplessness when it comes to that. But of
1: course, I mean, if you, consider consider what we went through, you have oh one like. I, I don't know your exact age, but I'm sure you were similarly uh, 30, impacted. Be,
0: I'm 35.
1: Okay, yeah. so you you were a little bit younger than me when when 9/11 happened, but man, that was very jarring, you know. And, and then you have the the entire war on terror. You have the Patriot Act. You have NSA, TSA. You have all of these new state apparatuses, which are limiting or or uh, uh, eliminating some of our our liberties. And then you have the 08, 09 real estate collapse, right? As many of us are getting into the, you know, the, what should be the, our prime labor years, which disjoints us, which prevents us from purchasing, uh, you know, housing, which is uh, in an inflationary economic model, that that's the primary mechanism by which we can actually save any sort of wealth. Uh, and so you have that crater. Uh, and then after that, you have COVID and the lockdowns, another, you know, eight or nine, or I guess it was 10 years later. I mean, we've gone through hell. we've gone through hell and then you have the potential for world war fucking three with two nuclear powers that they're ramping up for i mean and on top of that you have epstein island and you have all this other insanity that's happening um uh, it's it's i i don't i don't question at all why the millennial class uh feels very uh down you know it, it makes perfect sense
0: yeah, that's why I try to use humor with it, man. Sometimes you just got to laugh at the absurdly exactly. cartoonish nature of all of it. But this is, it is, this really... is why
1: I love you guys, because you bring <laughs> levity to this darkness. <laughs> we try to, man. I mean, it's like
0: I always say, don't blame me. I voted for Ron Paul, you know, but uh, um, I do see, though, and I, and that's why I gravitated towards Ron Paul in 2008 and 2012, because um, obviously he had run in 88 as a libertarian and I'm less concerned about any kind of label or party label and more concerned about what someone's actions or what th- their votes are or what they're actually willing to do if they have any power or influence. And with the influence in the perch in Congress that Ron Paul had, he always tried to do the right thing. He was always spot on about economics and foreign policy and, I, you know, and inflation in the Federal Reserve. And that's why I really um, gravitated towards him and his message. And I haven't seen anybody else come down the pike. Um, you know, other, certainly I supported Tulsi Gabbard last time around. Um, initially, I, I, had, I endorsed Rand Paul in uh, 2016, but he actually dropped out before I could even vote for him in the New Hampshire primary. So there's been, there's been a vacuum for someone. And, and I agree. I'm sure you feel this way. You can't put your eggs in the basket of, of a politician or a candidate to to, quote unquote, save us. But having someone who could be you know, a, a figurehead or a leader of a movement or, a, a, you know, like with Ron Paul's campaign, the ideas that he espoused, it, it exactly. just, it turned into an avalanche tens of thousands, even though the media gave him horrible coverage. Um, do you see a figure like Dave Smith being able to carry forth that message and, and get more young people involved and interested in topics that are not just wedge issues, but actual big picture topics for
1: 24. There's no doubt. I mean, Dave, Dave is the guy. And, uh, I'm just so grateful to have found him. I, I first discovered him probably five years ago, when it, his first uh, Joe Rogan Experience uh, episode, and I was floored. It was like it was like hearing myself on my favorite podcast at the time, and I was like, okay, there's that's huge. And so I immediately find part of the problem. I start listening to that, and I'm like, all right, every <clears throat> basically every like I I can count on a single hand the amount of times I've disagreed with Dave over the past seven years I've been listening to him. It's it's remarkable. Um, so yes, he's very much in the the cut from the Ron Paul cloth, but he also has uh, the youthful aspects that you know unfortunately Ron doesn't have anymore, and uh, and I think that he has the the opportunity to, to, you know, Ron Paul Revolution 2.0, but in a in a totally new paradigm where uh, you know social media and the podcasting circuits and his contacts in that realm, plus his comedic flair with the uh, you know the. Uh, Legion of Ganks and um, and his stand up background. I think he's he's the the perfect person for this time. Uh, also, Ron represented more of a happy warrior, um, which is why many people loved him so much. I think you need someone with a bit more edge to them in this in this current environment because uh, our entire world is pretty in need of someone with edge. Uh, so I think that that's why I am. I'm such a strong believer in, in not just Dave's messaging, but his style of messaging. I, I really believe that he has the opportunity to reach, you know, tens of millions in the next uh, election cycle if, if he chooses to run.
0: Yeah, definitely. So uh, w- what kind of response have you heard from? Uh, I watched one of your recent streams and, and you said, I'm going to piss off some mega people here, but uh, you can blame Donald Trump. Uh, partially, or whether he was misled or um, whether it was intentional or not, with the lockdowns and with the rise of uh, Fauci in the last couple of years.
1: Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I mean it's... You know? I, oh, I, I pissed off a lot of people. I, I Not not a lot. I, I got a, a handful of comments. And um, I think, honestly, I think the vast majority of people that were Trump supporters, they recognize what he did wrong. You know, they they may still support him. They may still love him for calling the media the enemy of the people and, and pointing out the, uh, the swamp. But at the end of the day, I think they realized he didn't drain the swamp. In fact, he hired some of the worst swamp creatures imaginable. And then he also didn't fire the vast majority of them, Fauci and Burks being at the top of that list, which he, you know, added credence and, and legitimacy to by putting them on stage, you know, to his hip for months on end during the summer of 2020. Everyone wants to forget it. I will not, I will not forget it. I I completely recognize what was happening. He was adding legitimacy to these people who were dictating the most egregious infringement of our rights in my lifetime, and it's not close. Locking down the economy was a catastrophic mistake, and he presided over it, and I will not forgive it. And until he comes to terms with what he did, and he owns it in some form or fashion, well, then I think that he was in on it. So he's going to have to own that one way or the other. He can't go up there and say, Operation Warp Speed was great, but lockdowns were bad. And Fauci was the devil, but also I put him on stage next to me for, you know, months and months on end. And also I didn't fire him. Like, come on. That's you, true. You've got to, like, this This narrative has to be streamlined uh, or else I think he's a political non-starter. Even though even though he has enormous support amongst the, you know, the MAGA movement and, and much of the GOP base, I, I think he will, like, if he expects to win a second presidency, he's going to need some of the people that actually value liberty, like libertarians on board. And he's yeah. not going to get us unless he owns that. I really believe that. So I'm curious to see what his campaign does with it. I think, you know, if I was advising him, I would say, own it. Own that you were duped. Own that, because I really believe he was duped based off of Jeffrey Tucker's work. In, incredible article this past week where he breaks down exactly how the the initial lockdown protocols were rolled out. It was in the, the fine print of the very first meeting uh, or very first press conference that they put out and it was in the fine print where Donald Trump was asked on that uh, that stage that day is this a lockdown and Donald Trump says no we are we're considering it you know it's an option but no at this point it is not that same press conference later on Fauci gets up there and he's asked the same question and he says it is i mean he doesn't mm. say it that specifically but he is asked about the fine print on that that uh, pamphlet that they put out so that that fine print was the moment that changed everything. And I, I personally believe that Donald Trump was not advised on the fact that that was that was CDC guidance informing every governor across the, the country that they now have the power to declare an emergency and and implement lockdown protocols. And uh, I think uh-huh. I think that Trump was duped. But until he owns that and he's got he's such a fucking egotistical nutcase, he probably won't. But he needs to. He needs to own it and say, look. I was I was backdoored. You know, these these people, these people wanted it and they 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 gave me lip service to what I wanted to hear. And then they went along with it. And by the time it was already rolled out, I, I just didn't know, you know, how to how to address it at the time. But it's going to be tough for him. It's going to be tough for him to explain that away. But I think that's what happened.
0: Yeah, right. It was it was too late at that point. And, uh, you know, I think he realized, uh, especially given some of the things that he said when, you know, when he first left office there, uh, early last year, you know, he realizes he was surrounded by just complete vipers and just careerists and just the worst. You know, he he got down to DC, and I I I think he had an idea what he was getting into, but then he got down there and actually saw what he had to deal with every day, and, and it really, I think it really hit him. You know, I think, and if he does it again, hopefully he would learn from. Like the major thing, like you're just talking about here, but I really feel like DeSantis has been paying attention on yes. what not to do and how to streamline the message and how to bring the MAGA movement in, but have it be a little bit more slick. And, um, Dude, DeSantis you know,
1: is 10 times better. He, he, he really, I mean, and I, I don't mean like better from a libertarian perspective. I just mean that, like, the guy is shrewd as all get out. Like, you can just he tell, is. like, he is, he is cunning. And I don't know if it's, I mean, I think it's partially him. I think it's partially his team. I think Christina Peshaw and, but everybody that's in his his cabinet in Florida right now are real killers, um, and I'm I'm impressed. You know, no matter yeah, your, he's, no he's matter he's based your, on Disney
0: too. That was based, yeah. I
1: mean, it, I mean, he's based on he's based on a lot of things, and I think that you know he really has his finger on the pulse of what the you know the populist right wants. Um, unfortunately, that there is some aspects of the populist right that disconnects from me entirely. It disconnects Same from the here. libertarian. Uh, preferences entirely. So, you know, like he just came out this past week with uh, five-year mandatory minimums for uh, fentanyl, and I'm like, look, mandatory oh, minimums. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Uh, I
0: didn't hear about that. Yeah, that's not good.
1: Yeah, I mean, the drug prohibition, uh, especially mandatory minimums, are are horrendous. But how does Trump respond? Trump responds by saying. And it is, you know, in China. Oh, sorry. I'll let you do it. <laughs> look, look, Clint, excuse me. OK, we are going to triple what they're doing. OK, in some <laughs> cases they have the death
0: penalty. Look, I want them to take a helicopter ride with Bolsonaro. I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> some people say it's a little bit severe. I think if we take him in a helicopter ride, they're going to be inclined not to do the drugs anymore.
1: <laughs> right. Is that exactly. what it was? That's basically what he said. No, he he was honestly praising The totalitarian CCP death penalty, quick trial with death penalty of drug dealers. And he was getting applause lines and laugh breaks and all sorts of stuff from his group. And I'm telling you, like, this is why I'll never be a Republican, (laughs) because it is just so ignorant to believe that prohibition can work or that I would want to possibly live. Like, I don't even use drugs, but like that I would want to live in a country that has quick trials with death penalties for people that are accused of, of selling drugs. That's hell. That's, that's not at that's all insane. what I want to be. Insane.
0: That is yeah. really insane, Clint. I agree, and he, man. And agree.
1: he was dead serious, by the way. Dead serious. <laughs>
0: he, yeah, I mean, or he's playing it. I mean, he likes to play the role too, man. He, you know, he learned from his days in the Wrestling Federation. You know, which is oh, yeah. a hall of fame. He's a hall of famer of. So he he knows what he's doing, how to play the crowd, and I think he's working out a new set, a new hour. You know. Yeah. He's, well, he's and, got and, some and, of the great hits, but I think he needs some new ones. So maybe he's testing it out with with the drug policy. You know. Yeah. No, I think it, you're right. Uh, We're gonna get it done quick.
1: You well, know? <laughs> what, what concerns me, though, is that it, it that may be what his base, you know, ultimately wants. And oh. and if that's the case, you know, the conservatives, they still haven't learned, you know, and that that really concerns me.
0: But yeah, that's the thing. So on, on, on drugs and on foreign policy, especially. Right. Um, and I, and I kind of had this discussion with, uh, you know, Congressman Paul a little bit uh, about the fact that there really is no more anti-war movement, at least in the elected left. I don't. I can't even name one member of Congress or in the Senate, the House or Senate that's legitimately anti-war on the left. Yep. I mean, they all voted. The squad voted yes to send thirty million dollars a day of our taxpayer dollars to the Ukraine. Um, they vote for all the appropriations. They, you know, they're always voting yes for war and uh, more military, you know, interventions yep. around the world. So. I mean, it's great that that Brandon ended Afghanistan. I have to give him props for that. Um, you, you hear the complaint you hear from the right is, "Oh, he didn't end it with honor." It's like no matter who was going to end it, it was going to be messy, and it wasn't going to be. I think that's largely a talking point. I mean, it's just the whole thing was so hellacious. I mean, the whole the whole 20 years we were in there was a nonstop nightmare, and well, it wasn't covered in. The, it, you weren't really. It wasn't covered in the news as much. People didn't give a shit. It's like you said earlier about the Ukraine. Americans, by and large, most Americans don't really care about these innocent people who are being killed in these wars.
1: But no, on on for, both sides.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But for me, man, for me, the, the, my candidate has to has to be anti-war. That's 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 no, a huge too. one. And the surveillance stuff that Rand Paul has actually actively tried to work against. You know that type of thing too. But. The major, you know, the major candidates from the Democrats and the Republicans—they're all—they're always the same on these big yeah. issues.
1: Well, and and that's the one thing where Trump is better than DeSantis. I think that Trump, Trump on foreign policy, is actually an improvement versus what DeSantis would likely do. Right. Be. Uh, yeah. and that that concerns the hell out of me. You know, because I think <laughs> that's kind of crazy,
0: isn't it? <laughs>
1: yeah, it is, and I, and I think in domestic policy, I would I would prefer DeSantis to a large extent, but uh, and particularly in his capacity to actually. Uh, get shit done in this uh, viper's den as you described it Uh, I think that DeSantis would be far more successful even with Trump having allegedly learned the lessons of his first term I still don't think that he ultimately is capable I mean he's he had four years like people people act like well you know he he just got in there and he was backstabbed and he was constantly on the defense. It's like he had four years to figure it the fuck out. He didn't fire Fauci when he was a lame duck, when he had already lost the election, when he had a two month gap between losing the election and actually turning over power to the Biden administration, he still didn't fire Fauci. How the fuck do you forgive that? I don't understand it.
0: (laughs) Well, he was raising millions of dollars for the next, you know, the next thing. And, and, you know, saying he was going to use that money to challenge you know what happened in different states and, and fraud, and he really didn't do any of that. So, it's uh that and the, nice. another criticism. I think that's fair against him is at his golf course in New Jersey. Like I think this weekend, he's hosting a Saudi Arabian-funded LIV golf tournament that that's yep. just so ghoulish and so blatant in its disregard um, for the 9/11 families and really for America. I mean, it's like. Some people are like, oh, well, you would take that money and, and this and that. But, I mean, he's a former president. You know, it's his, it's his golf uh, course. And, you know, about 700 people from New Jersey died. And his golf course is 50 miles from ground zero. So you can understand why
1: why this would be a sore subject for 9-11 families. Well, so, I think it's, it's even worse than that. <clears throat> when he was interviewed and asked about it, he goes, yeah, you know, we still haven't gotten to the bottom of 9-11. Hey, motherfucker, you were the president for four years. Why? Exactly. Why have we not got to the bottom of it? And let's be honest, I think we largely have gotten to the bottom of it. But you don't want to own that, and you just yeah. want to, you know, host the LIV tournament, uh, which is completely, you know, Saudi uh, oil money. It's like, like this is why I don't like Trump. I mean, he's not principled. He doesn't. He doesn't actually function based off of first principles in any in any sincere fashion. And I just think that, you know, he's he will go with the wind. He will follow what his base wants to a large extent. But ultimately, he doesn't have the courage or the intelligence or the fortitude, or whatever it is to actually implement some of his best ideas, you know, rhetorically, like what he actually is saying versus what he accomplishes, it's just disconnected. And and I have, you know, family that is just in love with Donald Trump, and they hate me when I bring this stuff up, but I think at their core, they recognize it too. I think they understand the man did not deliver on what he promised, not in any serious fashion, and he presided over, you know, the worst thing that has ever happened in my lifetime in this country, which was lockdowns. And he allowed for trillions and trillions of dollars to be, you know, printed, borrowed, spent creating this entire economic, uh, morass that we're stuck into this day. I just don't know how you can separate that from, from his rhetoric and his hatred of the media and all the other things that we like about him.
0: Right. Those are the things we really do like about it. And I like that he made uh, Jeb and Hillary smell his farts. I really enjoyed that. That was entertaining, and it was great to see them uh, get their comeuppance and get uh, get blocked at the 10-yard you know, but, but line. But right? Dave can do Right? Oh, oh Dave, God, if Dave Dave's was would... allowed on that debate stage, dude. <laughs> dude, it'd be like if Jesse Ventura was allowed up there, Clint. They wouldn't have me up there. I'll run with the Libertarians. I'll run with the Greenies. I don't care. I'm going to talk about the major issues. I don't even... You know what? I don't even think Donald would show up if I said I was going to be there. He'd run like a little bitch, saying that he has bone spurs and he can't show up for service to the stage. He can't get up on the stage because he's got bone spurs. But
1: uh, no. I'm telling you, I, it would be a dream come true if, if like this is why I I have so much hope for Dave's campaign, assuming he chooses to run. I mean, his he would have rogan and tim pool and all of the biggest podcasters in his you know in his not his cabinet but his his backing for sure and if any of these big candidates which are going to have to recognize that you know if they were to go on rogan it would be probably a 25 30 million listen episode oh, uh, yeah. you're you're not going to have a bigger media outlet option no. it, like it's going to be the biggest on earth and if rogan wants it he can demand donald trump you are running we are going to have dave smith here i mean just I just I know it sounds far fetched, but I get chills just thinking about it. Joe Rogan, Donald Trump, Dave Smith, three hours. <laughs> like, that would be along. every. Well, well, Trump, Trump
0: has—they've asked Trump's people have asked to have him on Rogan. Rogan said no because I know, like you just said, that's what—that's how Rogan wants to do it. He's like, I'm not going into the White House for some half-hour prepared statement thing where right. he can just say whatever he wants. He he wants to have him on like the classic Lincoln Duggan style, uh, Lincoln Douglas style. Um, I think that'd be amazing. And I, I think Trump would have to recognize that the ratings would just be through the roof and it would be very hard to say no. But at the same time, be. you know, I mean, he's done that before where he uh, in Iowa when he was running in 16 and he, he uh, didn't like the way the polls were. So he uh, backed up or the way the debate rules were. So he actually didn't show up to one of the debates and held like a fundraiser for veterans or something. And it was just a, it was just a it was a complete circus but he, he still got the most attention so i think a but, stunt but, like that wouldn't be beyond
1: oh you yeah know, oh, i mean you're you're absolutely right like it if his advisors are are at all privy to dave smith's you know capacity they will advise against it
0: right but, well yeah
1: but yeah. trump is an egotistical lunatic and if he's told i have the potential to talk to 30 million people uh and I'm not gonna take it because I'm afraid of some fucking comedian from New York. I think he might just hop on that line, you know what I'm saying? So the king would
0: show up, yeah. yeah and, the, and here's so. the point one of our listeners made here, Peter. Second amendment and anti abortion is why I put him in office. And I do have to say the big part of the king's legacy is he got those three Supreme Court justices in there. Like like he kind of said he was gonna do. So But he also banned yeah.
1: bump stocks. So you know he also said was, take the
0: guns and then take and the then. guns, Clint. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. take the guns first, ask questions
1: later. So yeah, I mean, I'll grant you, yes, the best the best thing he did was the Supreme Court justices. There's no doubt about it. But aside from that, you know, he was not good on the Second Amendment. He really wasn't. And I just I don't know how you can ignore that. Did you
0: ever see the interview where he's like, you know, I carry a gun. I'm armed myself. You know, could you imagine him with a pea shooter? I can't even. They probably just give him the squirt gun or something and tell him it's a <laughs> it's an actual gun. <laughs> it's
1: like Mr. Magoo or something. I I did not see that interview, but that would be uh, hilarious to see Trump slanging that that iron.
0: Oh, it's incredible. And we got another question here from John B. If insider trading were to be banned for members of Congress in the House of Reps, if the SEC was given prosec- prosecutorial powers, could this help drain the swamp?
1: Uh, well, no. Uh, yes and no. I mean, the SEC is ultimately a political entity and they will be directed on who to prosecute. Uh, this is the problem. Like, everyone wants to look for you know, statist solutions to status created problems. Uh, ultimately, it, the reason that there's so much corruption in our political establishment is because there's so much fucking money that's in our political establishment, and and I don't mean money from like, uh, you know, campaign contributions from big business. I mean, they manage trillions and trillions of tax revenue, and that that alone is such a such a like endless well, uh, that that anybody who's uh, even a, a businessman or a corrupt politician or anybody that's in going to get involved with this system is going to be doing so to try and get on that train you know get on mm-hmm. that gravy train and the the only answer is to shrink the size of government shrink the tax rolls shrink the tax revenue uh and then ultimately end their capacity to print and borrow infinitely uh, that's the whole reason that our system's corrupt um but yes i mean as a band-aid sure you know you can <laughs> make it illegal for them to inside trade and you can uh pretend that the sec is going to go Hunt down the scumbags, but let's be honest—they're going to get Pelosi's husband. Get, yeah, exactly. But they're going to get—they're going to get handed thumb drives with Bitcoin on it. Like, <laughs> like you think you're going to stop corruption? You think you're going to stop the briefcases filled with cash? Uh, exactly.
0: No. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and what's the figure since 2020? What percentage of, of paper currency has been printed in the U.S.? Isn't it like forty yeah, percent? Yeah, it's almost half,
1: right? Yeah. In so that's. I, I don't so know why you... there's inflation. I can't believe Putin did this to us. It's crazy.
0: yeah and and you said too you know obviously some of it can can be blamed on branded but not all of it because the stuff the policies that were enacted two three years ago is now coming to bear and we're seeing the
1: results of that
0: and how many how many
1: trillions happened under trump versus happened under biden i mean i think i think it's pretty close to even uh even blame to go around so i think it might even be more trump than than biden so and look, they're, they're, this is what I'm saying. No matter who you elect, you get John McCain. I, I really don't think that the I think that the presidency is is largely a figurehead, and they don't have much control. The deep state runs this shit. The CIA, the FBI, uh, you know, the DOJ, the the central bankers, um, the World Economic Forum. When you have all of the the biggest politicians and the biggest businesses get together uh, around a table and and discuss how they're going to completely reimagine the world. That's where the power is at, man. The power is not in the presidency. Yeah. If it were, they, don't, they wouldn't they don't let us vote on in it. Their... Right, yeah.
0: <laughs> they give you Coke and Pepsi. Which one do you like? Okay, this <laughs> one's Diet Coke, Clint. We're going to give <laughs> so, you Diet Coke. It's a little bit different, but not much.
1: And this, you know? this is why I'm such a huge backer of Dave Smith, is because I I know his heart. You know, I've listened to this guy talk for thousands of hours. Like, I know he's the real deal. He's brilliant. And, yeah. and he's also brilliant, and he's also, you know, funny, and he's also a really good person. Like, These are all things that that should make him completely untenable for political office, which is why I so desperately want to see him try and get in there.
0: That's why I would like him to run, because he clearly doesn't want to run. If you watch the interview he gave Nick Gillespie, he's like, look, man, I don't want to do this. I'm having a good time being a comedian and doing Liberty events in my podcast. But if no one else emerges, I might have to do it. And it's kind of the reluctance you see with Ron Paul. I mean, I remember visiting him in his office in 2011, and we were like, Come on, come on, Doctor Paul. 2012, you're gonna do it. He's like, oh well, we're looking at it. He he just was not. He did, it's not that he he didn't want to do it. They don't. It's not that they they don't want the power, but it's I don't know. It's it's more. I I, I like seeing a reluctant figure. I think someone who's reluctant and someone who's in support of term limits. Um, you know, I think that's the type of person you want
1: to put forward well, a message. Exactly. If someone's gonna wield that ring of power, you want them to do it hesitantly. You know, like. Uh, that the people that want it really desperately, like I think Desantis and I think Trump and I think oh, yeah. Biden and I think Hillary, those are the people you do not want to wield that power, and you see what they do when they have it. It's it's very scary. Um, so you know uh, whether or not Dave can win is kind of secondary. I I just love his his heart, his attitude, his mind. It's like he's he's perfect for the campaign trail for this process. I, I think that he would. You know, shake up the world in a really sincere way. So, we'll yeah, it's see. an
0: exciting it's, it's an exciting prospect uh, for for uh, Dave to run and get out there and get the, the real big topics and real big information out there that actually impacts everybody's everybody's situation. And you know, now people are being hurt at the grocery store. They're being hurt at the gas pump. They're, um, I think, you, you know, they say, well, I don't I don't really look at politics. I don't pay attention to it. Well, once it once
1: it is in your face like that, how can you not? How can you not look at these big picture issues? This is why this is such a perfect opportunity. You know, 08 was like the the prime time because it was right as we were in the teeth of a recession was when that election was starting to happen. Um, And then 12, we were still kind of in this malaise because we had printed and borrowed so much money to kick the can and and try and delay the day of reckoning. Um, So both those campaigns for Ron were really just about timing as much as they were about his message, you know, because... Had he given that message in 1996, when we were in this, you know, kind of the the apex of our economic system, where everybody seemed to be doing well, and you know, it, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have landed the same way it did. Mm. Um, and I think that that's the reason that Dave's campaign, if he were to run in 2024, will be incredibly powerful because we will be in the teeth of one of the the toughest economic, definitely the toughest economic time in my lifetime. Um, so I, this is this is a I hope once in a lifetime opportunity because I hope we don't have a worse economic period in the remainder of my life. But man, it is going to be very, very rough when when we get to that uh, that 2023 2024 election cycle. It's going to be wild. So having someone up there that can speak intelligently, not just about the military industrial complex and how that has bankrupted us and crippled so many of our best, you know, uh, young men and women, but also to be able to point to the central banks uh, of the world. And identify you know why we are in such a predicament it's 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 mandatory as far as i'm concerned this is the entire reason i got involved with the libertarian party is because i was i would be damned if we failed again in putting up someone who could actually represent my belief system when it has to be represented in a powerful and succinct fashion we cannot have someone like joe jorgensen god her. Uh, or God bless her. Uh, we, <laughs> She's not dead. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, she, her political career is, but God bless yeah. her. Uh, we cannot have someone like Gary Johnson. That, like no, 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 no. Bill we well, have to have someone what, like Bill Weld's
0: not a libertarian.
1: Not a fan. No, Weld, who was out there saying
0: very nice things about Crooked, he said very nice things about her, Clint. No doubt about it. No doubt about it another comment here she's
1: undoubtedly class or qualified to be president what a fucking idiot that guy is (laughs)
0: looking back i think howard dean could have been a good president from john b (laughs) sloop john b uh i mean respectfully disagree yeah well i was about to say man they really crucified him over that looking back that's really quaint i mean that was uh i know uh 2003 2004 when that happened it's like Think of all the shit that came out when Trump was running, and you're like, okay, he's done. There's, I mean, he just the stuff he said about John McCain, the Access Hollywood uh, tape, um, and he just continued to go up in the polls. So it just shows you that. Oh, we're in a different time. We're in a totally different time, man, and and it's like American um, politics is just it's become more cartoonish and more like American gladiator and more uh, like a sporting event. So I think that's the
1: primary reason that the old guard of the of the LP was so worthless. Is that they were still functioning in two thousands politics? They they were not evolving, and I don't mean any disrespect to them. They just simply were not evolving with the times. Like this is blood sports now. Like this, if you want if you want to be identified and recognized and have your message go anywhere, you cannot deliver it with a suit and tie and you know all calm and collected. Like that was great, and I love Ron Paul. Everybody loves Ron Paul, but that's not that's not this era. It's It's just simply not this era. So. That's why I, I, I we need someone like Dave, if not someone even edgier. Like, I want someone to get up there and be like, this is fucking insane. What are we doing? You know? I know.
0: Oh, I, I would love the body to be able to do it. I mean, he just turned <laughs> 71. And, you know, we, he, we probably disagree on uh, the last couple years. He's, he was kind of, uh, I, I like it. I don't have to go outside and see anybody. I <laughs> like wearing a mask so they don't know who I am. I keep an extra one in my fanny pack. <laughs> but I still think someone like Jesse Ventura has a, a pure heart and has the you know best intentions of the country you know in mind. But from I a different generation, it's it's like you I, said you know I he's the dude seventy one. I mean he's oh, yeah. uh, he's totally right on about foreign policy and about the wars and about surveillance. Um, and you know he's I don't think he's really in favor of government encroachment. But you know he had a he had a different view on on the uh, but you know older people man they they were scared to death by what fauci and the government ha- was telling us and a lot of them i'm sure our parents age where they were watching the news around the clock and they were freaking scared to death man my my thing was i told people shut the news off just yeah, shut man. the freaking tv off man
1: but yeah, it was it was rough times i mean fortunately you know because i don't know if it was my influence or or you know my parents influence on me just made them kind of inoculated to the the uh the panic but they they handled it very well. Um, all all three of them my mom, my dad, and my stepdad they they were all uh, very aware of of what was happening and how completely unacceptable it was. Um, so yeah, I was very fortunate. But my grandma, you know, she didn't leave the house for a year plus. I mean, she was oh, that's she devastating. Was and she's just sitting home watching CNN all day, watching Rachel Maddow. You know, scare the Ooh. shit out of her. It was it was tragic. And you know, I, I think a lot of people. I mean, we don't even know like how many millions of people still haven't even left their house. Like, there are millions of people that haven't left their house in like two plus years. You know how fucking crazy those people are going to be if they ever come out again. Oh, dude, the mental health ramifications—not
0: just for for older people, but think of the kids who couldn't go to school and be with their friends and their peers. I'm telling you, they missed out on so much with childhood development, and then high schoolers who couldn't go to prom and they couldn't like. Uh, My band, I'm in a band and we played a prom in uh, 20, it was either summer of 2020 or 21 and it was, it was outside and everybody had to be wearing a mask and it was just ridiculous, but it got to a certain point where everyone was like, fuck this. They took the mask off. Everyone was dancing, having a good time. And, um, you know, they got to enjoy that, but that got taken away from so many people on all swaths of humanity and it just shows you too man how a lot of people were willing to lay down in in the name of what they had perceived security and perceived safety and of course you know the, the uh, big daddy government's going to take care of me mm-hmm. if i just listen to them and it, it was kind of alarming to see how many people just just lock stock and barrel went along with that oh and it's, it's horrifying unless but- unless you had a, a a steely resolve where you could like you're saying you knew the con when you saw it coming a mile away you could be susceptible to the fear and to the division and the propaganda
1: Exactly. And, and it took, I mean, this is why you need leaders with first principles. You need people that like, like when we say that we value liberty or freedom over security, we mean it, you know, like I, I am willing to take risks to be free. And I, I am a hundred percent sincere in that. I value my freedom over my safety. And I always have. And I think a lot of people discovered they don't mean that, you know, they talk it. They talk mm-hmm. it, but they don't fucking mean it. And I oh, think they're going to do the
0: convenient thing and they're going to do the thing that's going to make them look OK and, and uh, acceptable in the eyes of their friends and family. And they don't want to be judged. And and uh, I honestly, I just kept living my life, man. I never I never told anybody. I never asked anybody like I don't ask people private medical questions like that was normalized. That was yeah. somehow normalized. I had people on my street yelling at me from across the street asking me these private medical questions. And I just thought, man, this is just like freaking invasion of the body snatchers or a really bad episode of the Twilight Zone that's been completely normalized in our society. Yep. Um, and now that the media is not talking about it as much, it's almost like it didn't happen. And these people are just going back to their lives. And, and it's like, so what about the next thing? The next time you have someone like Fauci on TV or some you know big conglomerate that's paying for all the media, like the, the big pharmaceutical companies trying to push a message or trying to get the populace to, to – you know, bend to their will and do what they say. What's that going to look like? And well, they've shown and, and they're
1: going to try and do it again. They're not going to just stop with this. Uh, they already are. Uh, but I mean, you, to your point, yeah. I mean, half to half this country has already accepted medical totalitarianism. Like it, the next time they announce something, they they'll all go along with it. They're just going yeah. to do it. So mm-hmm. we we are already at a tipping point. And this is why I've become much uh, a much bigger uh, proponent of secession. Is because I ultimately don't believe we can recover from this. I believe that. Like, at its core, what bound Americans was their belief in liberty and freedom over security. that's that's what held us together. Despite all of our other differences, we still value, like we still obviously want to be safe, but our primary concern yeah. is maintaining freedom. It's no longer that way. We have at least half of this country that clearly values their security over their freedom and you can't be in a nation where ha- in a democratically ruled nation where half of the country says anytime time there's a threat to us we're going to give up our rights because the government is just going to concoct a reason for you to give up your rights and perfect example they're talking about the stigma of talking about the the genesis of monkeypox and how it's actually being transmitted and and saying it's homophobic or whatever or bigoted to to talk about it well if you remember not even a year ago there was op-ed pieces being written why it's a little uncouth but why it's necessary to celebrate the death of the unvaccinated I mean oh yeah that, of course is that not stigmatizing someone I, oh, I mean no it, yeah. it, it, like it's it's just they don't function by the same rules that they hold us to and and it's it's really it's taxing so I just hope that it people is. realize they don't they don't like when they shame you, when they call you a racist, when they call you a bigot, it's like, it's all bullshit. They don't care about that. It's about control. That's 100% what it is. They don't even think, like, perfect example is Joe Rogan. they calling him a, a racist. It's it's the most absurd thing imaginable, but it's just about control. They wanted mm-hmm. to get him banned and deplatformed and blah, blah, blah. Oh, they yeah. wanted Alex Jones ass, so they start rolling out the racist tropes and... Fortunately, I think enough people are starting to realize this is just about control and you have to throw off those shackles.
0: 100%. If you strike me down, Clint, I'll become more powerful than you could ever imagine. Let's go. I think, I, I think Emmerich's been, I mean, yeah, when they kicked him in 2018 and they kicked him off of um, Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and everything, I, I was saying you know, to everybody, um, Yeah, okay, you don't like Alex Jones and you don't like his opinions and his viewpoints. What about when they come for you and they want to kick you off because you have the wrong opinion? So well, sure,
1: now they've come for yeah. thousands of people. Thousands and thousands of people have been deplatformed entirely, and I mean, most of them, fortunately, haven't been deplatformed to such an extent of Alex Jones where he can't bank and he can't do anything. I mean, but uh, yeah, they come after really going uh, after uh, Nick, uh, Nick, whatever his name is, um, the alt right figure that everybody. Oh, uh, uh, Nick Fuentes. Yeah, Fuentes. I mean, he can't even yeah. fucking fly, bro. Like he, that he's is, on the no-fly list, huh? That's... That is that is absolutely astonishing. He can't bank. No, no payment processing services. None wow. will work with him. He has to go like offshore with like you know some island banking system or something like that. It's 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 horrific. It's horrific that we're allowing this for you know even people we disagree with. I don't want to live in a country that can do that to anyone, anyone right. at all. Yeah, and 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 people don't point this out enough. The war on drugs and the mechanisms for fighting the war on drugs when it came to the banking system, those tools that we gave the government in enforcing the war on drugs to go after cartels is now coming after us for, you know, ideological differences to be for being a political dissident. It's just, oh man, it's all so fucked up. (laughs) It is, man. I know it's, it's, yeah, it can get to you,
0: but I really seeing the resolve, like with the Canadian truckers earlier this year and them sticking it to that friggin. You know,
1: true Dutch farmers, man, it's
0: incredible. Oh, right I... now, with the Dutch farmers, dude, they're blocking roads. They're saying, "You want to take away my cows and and our yep. cattle and and uh, you know livestock and and pigs and tell me how many tell me how many pigs I can have and how it's 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 like unbelievable." And they're and well, they, what kind of fertilizer
1: they, f- they can use and what kind of nitrogen levels it can have. It's uh, why are they only
0: go, why, why are they only going after farmers? They're not going after anyone else, you know. Over there, they passed that law a couple of years ago,
1: um, and it's. You know they oh, don't they're, really. Care. They're going. They, at, they're, they're going after a lot of industries, actually. But the the farming one is the most important because that's where we get our food. I mean, it's like fe- they're feeding everybody. Where do they think yeah. the food's going to come from? Well, it, they it's, think it's it, going to come from from plants. Like, uh, not, no, not yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't mean. I don't mean plants. I mean the bugs. No, I mean plants that that create, um, you know, fake fake proteins and 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 also bugs and things like that. Uh, the the uh, whatever the. Beyond meat type technology. Oh thing. yeah, the twenty thirty thing. You you will eat. You will you
0: will have yes. an occasional steak, and you will like it. You will own I, nothing.
1: Yeah, that, I, I, that's I know. What and they I think know of it. us too. Where the yeah. carbon they want to get rid of? <laughs> I know. I know. It, it sounds super Alex Jonesy to talk like this. And I thought Alex was way hyperbolic when he used to talk like this a decade ago. He is not wrong. He is not wrong that that is actually their intentions. You know whether or not they'll prevail. Uh, I think is highly in doubt. But I am a hundred percent on board with alex's perception of these people like they genuinely oh. believe that it's that's what has to happen and they are trying to make it happen as aggressively and as quickly as mm-hmm. possible it's yeah they vampires
0: stuff. and yes they're the ones who get on their private jets and fly over to davos and take selfies with each other and um they don't you know they don't really care no you know, they're telling us not travel you can't have a car you're not going to be able to you know uh, support yourself and but they're, they're the ones taking private jets everywhere and Al Gore's building himself a nice uh ocean front house that uses h- how yeah. much like and and the
1: Obamas and the Pelosis and everybody else all of them that, you know, yeah yeah John Kerry doesn't want I don't oh. want a wind turbine in my backyard Clint you know John Kerry has fucking multiple yachts I think so uh, yeah they, I mean this is what I'm talking about these people don't hold these principles that they try to hold against no. us so like that you just have to recognize it for what it is it's purely a power game. And if you're not playing it, you're losing it. You know, like you got to play the power game. And this is, this is the other reason that I started to get involved with politics in a more serious way is I, I really believe that like, I mean, obviously, ultimately, like agorist mentality and trying to, to get off the grid and become self-sustaining, like that's all vitally necessary too. So I am not dismissing that at all. I think it's ultimately what we may all be forced to do. So you might as well start on that process now. However, as long as you have people that are so sinister, that are running the political apparatus that have a monopoly on violence through the state. I would like to have some people in, you know, inside that, that shit (laughs) to, to help, to help in my cause, to help buy me some time, because I I don't know anybody that feels 100% ready for the collapse of civilization. Uh, So if you think that's what's coming, I would like to see us at least use the political vehicle to wake up as many people as possible to get them on our team to get them preparing to to help us you know truly build back better once klaus schwab in the world economic forum uh you know collapses civilization because i think you know they that's where we're headed uh you know whether or not we actually go there i i pray not um but if we if we don't fight back against these people through the the halls of you know establishment power to some extent i think it's it's going to be too rapid for the vast majority of us to survive it I know it sounds very dark, but that's my honest opinion.
0: Yeah, no, it does, man. And and things have been acceler- accelerated, I really feel like, in the last two decades of just what we've seen happen with our own eyes. So, well, we're coming up on an hour. Um, if you want to share with our audience where people can support you and uh, maybe tease what you got coming up, if you got any uh, any good chats with Judge Knapp or. Uh, oh, yeah. What, what projects you're working
1: on. Yeah, this this next month is going to be the, the biggest by far. Um, obviously, I got Dave Smith coming back on the legend. Got Alex nice. Stein, primetime. Uh, primetime
0: 99. Yeah,
1: he's going to be on. I'll have Adam Krigler. I'll have Josie the Redhead Libertarian. I will have uh, Anomaly, who's awesome. Uh, Sticks, Hex, and Hammer 666. Uh, Anomaly and he, he are both uh, two of my favorite YouTubers. That's going to be incredible. Um, got a couple more. Judge Nap every Thursday. Uh, Judge Andrew Napolitano. For people that don't know what Judge Knapp is, he's he's awesome. Probably the best you know, constitutional scholar that we have in our in our world. Um, so yeah, it's going to be incredible. If anybody wants to support my work, LibertyLockdown.Locals.Com, and if you want to subscribe, uh, you know, U- YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever, it's just Liberty Lockdown. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am nearing fifty k, which is bizarre and awesome and surreal That's awesome. Uh, at Liberty at Liberty Lock Pod.
0: Cool. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, Clint, and we'll have to uh, we'll have to have you on again, and uh, we'll do we'll do a fun a yeah. fun shoot the shit thing on a Friday sometime with Reed. We'll yeah. have some drinks and just do a you know do like a fun goofy panel kind of like you do with uh, Tower Gang. I like how you guys um, talk about really grotesque, um, uh, immature stuff, and then you spend a half hour talking about like <laughs> like <weird>. monetary
1: <laughs> policy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a that, weird balance, but I think I think we found our niche. You know, it's like, that's on okay.
0: Odyssey now, right?
1: Yeah, Odyssey <laughs> exclusively for Tower Gang, uh or Tower Power Hour. It's the only it's the only place that we can possibly do that show because it is so so off the wall. You guys are the real bastions. Me, oh,
0: absolutely. And you you guys are the real bastions for freedom of speech. I mean, you do things on there that i would probably not do on my youtube channel and <laughs> i don't want to lose my youtube channel i mean i think it's important to talk about any issue uh, me but too you, you know what i'm saying you get what i'm saying yeah. so yeah i got uh, locked
1: Lockdown yeah. on on youtube i i play by the rules over there to a large extent but when i have an interview that is is too aggressive for youtube i put it on my locals exclusively or i put it over on odyssey and tower gang is always too aggressive so we put that on odyssey exclusively I love it. So
0: hey keep doing what you're doing clint man i really appreciate it and uh Thanks for coming on, and uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you soon.